0: So fine he's happy all the time. He walks the dog in the rain and the shine. He doesn't complain and he doesn't want it doesn't wanna die, I
1: love my data. Love Hello, my data. welcome to Trekking Awesome. I'm your host Jason.
2: Hi, I'm Libby.
1: We're gonna be talking today about some uh, Star Trek Enterprise. Mm. Uh, I know I know we've been kind of putting this one off um, but you know they're up in the rotation so it's time to go ahead and bite the bullet and talk about them uh, what was your take on the first few episodes of uh, enterprise
2: you know um it's funny i I, I was actually kind of surprised at how much I enjoyed them and how much I wanted to watch them mm-hmm. um, i I sort of thought that I was gonna just bore every episode and and have to like slog my way through but uh, I actually found that I really enjoyed them and I I I I wasn't maybe because my expectations were so low <laughs> that i I wasn't as disappointed as I thought I was gonna be at the end of it it was like oh this is still Star Trek this still feels like Star yeah. Trek
1: yeah you know I think that was kind of my my whole uh experience the first time I watched it too it was was like, you know, I don't really have anything to do. I'm kind of bored. Let's throw this on and I actually it actually like it draws you in. It's
0: Yeah.
1: There's certain parts of it that are kind of like a train wreck, but that's the <laughs> yeah. reason you watch it. Like that god awful theme song, but Oh my god. Well, but you know, theme song? oh god, you you think the theme song's bad? Just wait till the beginning of season 3. It oh, gets no. better. Oh my god, it gets so much Oh, it's so much worse. At that
2: point, Ugh. well, so okay, so the episode we're talking about today, we were going to talk about the first episode, um, Broken Bow, which, uh, you know, I yeah, I feel like I don't know that it merits.
1: I thought of it as vanilla pudding. I didn't really have an opinion on it one way or another.
2: Right. Yeah. There's nothing strong. I have nothing strong to say about it.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, didn't it hate like, it. It was like, ooh, more Star Trek. Like, yeah. That's really how right. I thought about it. it.
2: It felt like it felt like a really mediocre episode of deep space nine like (laughs) where it's and it's like it's like okay cool you know um so okay so then so then we decided to move on and just sort of give a solid meh
1: to broken bow
2: (laughs) um uh, and we moved on to unexpected yeah unexpectedly we moved on to unexpected and this is one of those
1: that um get it it, yes we get it okay I was going to move past that, but no, it's okay. Let's go back. So go back and beat that dead horse. <laughs> i just,
2: it was a good pun, and yeah. I just felt like we should talk about that. Please. Sure. Okay.
1: <laughs> well, anyway, this is one of those episodes that uh, seem to have a little bit for everybody, but not really a whole lot in it. It seems like. It was like, oh, there's this, there's this, and oh, get just in case you forgot, Klingons. And it then was we're sort done. of like
2: a salad bar at a Pizza Hut.
1: Really, it was. Where it's like <laughs>
2: technically this counts as salad
1: because there
2: is green stuff.
1: It was green at one time. Uh, yeah, right.
2: <laughs> and I, I see that they made an attempt here with some faux eggs and. <laughs> yeah. Um, are those tomatoes? Uh, yeah. No, I, Yeah, I, I'm it, with was, you there. it was. It was. So, but I, okay, but in spite of all of that, I'm kind of defending this episode, I have to say, like, I, I, in spite of a lot of, um...
1: No, I'm with you there, I'm, I, I I definitely agree with you.
2: Yeah, I, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to try and go to bat for this, and I, I don't feel like it's that hard, but I... I feel
1: like it's pretty, it's gonna be pretty easy to, to defend and to, and to take down this one. Like, I think it's, I think we both have our work cut out for us, and, and, like, it's, it's laid out for us already, I think. Okay. What? <laughs> I don't
2: know. I don't know what you mean by that, so I'll just... I mean, it's just... It's, I'll it just leave that one seems
1: like It seems like it's an open book, and, you know, we could... Like, it's easy to take either position on this one.
2: Are you, are you feeling ambiguous about this episode?
1: I'm feeling like I could defend it, but I really kind of want to take it down, because I kind of... As we were watching it, I was taking my notes from the position, like I was going to rip this one a new one.
2: Yeah. I actually went into it thinking that I wanted to tear it down, mainly because I've just had such a strong opinion against Enterprise mm-hmm. since day one. Um but I after having watched the episode now twice because I watched it I started watching Enterprise about three weeks ago and yeah. and I've been watching, you know, as many episodes as possible. Um
1: mm-hmm. had to circle back around and rewatch it again. Yeah. And so this, the, yeah, this and so yeah,
2: so I so I rewatched it for, for this for this episode and I, yeah. I think um i my opinion of it changed it it actually went my opinion of it went from oh, I kind of like this to okay, maybe not, but I'll defend it anyway like okay, so i but I feel like there are really good strong points to it and strong indicators of potential good star trek
1: gotcha uh well, I can't wait to debate this with you. So, uh, you want to move on to our next part, where we give them a little bit of a rundown of what this episode is about?
2: Yeah, I think I can. I think I can synopsize it pretty well. so All right, let's perfect. give it. A, let's give it a go. The crew of Enterprise NX-01 are experiencing more than a few malfunctions. They soon discover that the cause lies in their warp trail. A ship full of friendly Zeruleans have been following in their wake, hoping for a little plasma exhaust. Captain Archer sends Trip Tucker on a three-day mission to repair their warp conduits. The Zerulean's unique atmosphere causes Trip's trip to be extended three hours either way in order to decompress. Once aboard the alien craft, our protagonists realize he's not feeling so hot. That is, until he wakes up from a much-needed nap. Our Zerulean hostess doesn't quite understand personal boundaries, and she begins feeding Trip some form of water. Sparks literally fly as Alen touches Trip's lips. After three days of hard work, our interspecies engineering duo decide to take a trip to the Zerulean holodeck. There they engage in some… an interesting game. After Trip is back aboard the Enterprise, he notices an odd bump on his wrist. The bump Doctor Phlox discovers is actually a nipple, and surprise, Trip is pregnant. Then it is a race against time to find the Zerulian ship and another host for Trip's embryo. They find them hanging around in a Klingon warp trail, and after a few bumps, they convince the Klingons not to destroy their parasitic ship. The Zerulians are able to safely remove the embryo, and Trip returns a free man. <laughs>
1: That was a really great uh, <clears throat> synopsis there.
2: Uh, thanks. I feel like we tried <laughs> we tried to rhyme and or pun Trip's name as I actually it's funny I know I know a couple of people who are either called Trip or Trey.
1: Oh yeah, because they're the third. It's
2: such a southern thing to be.
1: <laughs> to, to yeah, because I guess down here in the south we can't think up new names.
2: <laughs> no, I'm, well I know, but it, it's it's funny because it's it's not just that you know we can't think up new names. It's we're southern. I, I feel obligated to say this is not a disparagement against uh, southern people. <clears throat> I I am one. Yeah. And, uh, like it or not. Uh. Anyway, so.
1: Yeah, sticking with names or, or it's it's a it's your tradition. It's, yeah, here. it's
2: such a tradition here, and and I I actually kind of always thought it was funny to do the whole tripper tray. Yeah. Thing, because it's like, wait, so your name for your grandfather, but you don't like it, so you go by a completely different. Anyway, whatever. Yeah. So okay, so trip Tucker. Um, <laughs> Let's talk about Trip Tucker. Let's talk about
1: him. I kind of, you know, I do like how they turn him into kind of this throwback to a NASA engineer.
2: Yeah. Oh, He's
1: kind of like a good old boy. He's from Florida, obviously mm-hmm. grew up around Cape Canaveral. You know, that's the kind of thing that I really like about this, this writing and, the, and this cast.
2: I like that there's this sort of, that the, the humans are not homogenous. Yeah. that They have backstories. You know, that relate to their sort of geographic yeah. location. Um, you know, Hoshi comes to mind. Um,
1: yeah, Hoshi's got an interesting story. And I, they don't really... I, I don't ever remember if they get into it or not. It's been a while since I've watched the whole series through, but...
2: Yeah, well... I mean,
1: she's this great linguist, but...
2: Yeah, well, so that's one of the things that I'm sort of gathering the more I watch Enterprise is that... They have these characters that are actually really interesting. Um, I think Trip is a really great one. I think um, Malcolm is pretty cool. I mm-hmm. think Travis, the space oh, God, I is, love Travis. Yeah, I mean, what a cool concept. What a cool idea. Mm-hmm. And it's just we're not getting the character development. That, yeah. that I, What's interesting to me about that is that I feel like these characters are more they're drawn better than I would even I would say even like TNG or you know maybe even Voyager characters okay. are drawn in that they have characters like they they are you know a lot of yeah. times in Star Trek you know the characters boil down to either their species um, or they're human and that, that's it we don't you know I mean mm-hmm. on the original series you get Uhura is on the bridge and you get Sulu on the bridge but very but little they, is yeah. made of their, you know, the fact that you have a Japanese person and or a, a black lady, a, an African woman, um, you know, on the bridge. The same thing is true, of course, of, of Chekhov where you know, or, or Scotty, where we get, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, They're just we, kind
1: of like, they're just kind of there. They
2: have this sort of like accent, but it doesn't really impact who they are as a person. It yeah. may be kind of interesting. So
1: um, like anybody could say those lines, it would not be a big deal.
2: Right. And and that's cool. And I, I, and think that, yeah, I mean, there's there, there's something revolutionary about the idea that like you know, we've, we've moved beyond our
1: racial prejudice, racial
2: prejudice and, you know, national prejudice and all these wonderful things. That's great. But it's, it's also equally interesting to see it, to see it Mm -hmm. play out. And I, I think that we get a little sense of
1: this. The one thing I see on this though, to kind of contradict you, sorry. Um, but You get this very. It is a very homogenized cast of on board here. You get your token black guy. You have Hoshi, and then the one person that doesn't have the same accent of everybody is a British dude. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's pretty bland. Uh, It's a it's a pretty much a tapioca crew that you got going on.
2: Well, and and you know, I mean, the first officer, or rather. Well, because I guess to is the first officer. She's the
1: science officer. She's not first officer at, technically until later in the series, but
2: okay. That was that the, the the dynamic.
1: The dynamic is really It's interesting. interesting
2: to me. I don't know what the hell Malcolm is.
1: Malcolm is the tactical officer. He's basically their Tuvok, you know. Okay. He he fills that he's,
2: he's okay
1: bridge role.
2: Because um, to me, I never know what the hell he's doing. <laughs>
1: Yeah, he's over there shooting off weapons. You know, he's the yeah yeah.
2: Okay, he doesn't have the same seriousness, I think, or or like let's say presence as Michael Dorn or yeah. even Tashi R. ER,
1: well, Hulley. you have to think also in those those sets, they're center stage up. You know, I mean, they're right. they're right. right there and right. they're in the line of sight, like they're right there behind the captain. He's kind of with with Tuvok and with, the, with like Voyager with this show. They've designed the the sets to where they're kind of off to the side, and that's an interesting choice in and of itself. But I mean, that would make the make sense as to why you don't think he's plays that big of a role.
2: Yeah, I, I couldn't tell what he was doing, mm-hmm. and which is fine. It doesn't really matter. Um, I I think it's interesting. I mean, he makes a point like at, I I don't remember which episode, um, where. He says something along the lines of, "Oh, I can't believe it was the Americans that made first contact." Oh yeah. And there's a kind of like a sort of quasi jealousy, you know, a quasi, whatever it is. Yeah. That that I appreciate. I think it's good. I think I think it's okay to have a sort of tension, mm -hmm. even if it's even if it's not a genuine tension. Even if it's the same kind of tension. You know, like like between Houston Texans and Dallas Cowboys, right? Yeah. It's not real tension. I don't I don't hate Houston Texans. I mean, obviously, no one likes them, but I don't hate <laughs> them. You know, um, yeah. I, fair you know, enough. obviously, it's you know. I, I mean, yeah. I there we're all from the same place, and we all you know we are watching the same game, and I, I and, and playing the same game, and I, I feel like yeah. I feel like there's that kind of good sort of quality tension between the human members of of enterprise and because enterprise is predominantly human. We're, well, I mean, yeah,
1: this is pre-federation, so everybody right. in Starfleet is human. sends well, Flox, Flox is is technically not in Starfleet nor is T'Pol. T'Pol, right? They're both one she's a science officer who's basically an observer, he is Flox is just on board the ship as um Kind of a favor. He 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 got yes. wrangled into it in episode one.
2: Well, and he kind of wanted to
1: crane back. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah. he wants he wants to stay.
2: <coughs> clang. It was clang. Clang. Sorry, um, but but I mean nerd. But,
1: yeah,
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm making a Star Trek podcast. <laughs>
1: nah, fair enough. I yeah
2: okay. Sure. Um, so uh, yeah, I mean I I think I I have to say like I really think that um, there. I really enjoyed that. I enjoyed that they're that mm-hmm. they have this dynamic between the cast members. I like that, you know, Archer Captain Archer is a sort of good old boy. I like yeah. that I like that Trip is a good old boy. I like that Malcolm is a little stiff. I like that um, you know, Hoshi is a bit nervous, a bit scared, a bit, you know. I mean, I thought that was all very good. I like uh, that Travis comes from this sort of off world but has a very sort of friendly, open personality. Mm-hmm. There's something really nice about, I would say, every character.
1: Yeah, each character has something nice about them. Um, but there's so much that I find to be just fundamentally flawed in how they designed this show, um, like, just in general. One, the thing that I really the first thing you brought up you brought up Captain Archer and thank you for doing that because it brings me to one of the things that I really wanted to talk about which was Scott Bakula and Scott Bakula and here's the thing every episode every series of Star Trek the captain majority of the bridge crew they were all actors who were relatively unknown. This one's, you get Scott Bacula, who is kind of a big name in sci fi. I, I mean, feel
2: like you're mispronouncing his name.
1: How am I supposed to say it?
2: Scott Bacula. Just like
1: that. Okay. Scott Bacula. No, no, no.
2: <laughs> Scott Bacula.
1: Okay. Try uh, it. No. Try it. No, no. Just
2: get. Try no. One time. Try it. One time.
1: Scott Bacula. No. <laughs> Come on, I, want, I have a point I want to make. <laughs> but you're <laughs> you're interrupting my point making. But his name is. is but you're interrupting Scott my point making. Bacula. Okay. Okay. His name is Scott Bacula. Scott.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Bacula.
1: You're very funny, and I love you. But shh, <laughs> let me talk. Let me make my point.
2: Okay.
1: My point is that. Mr. Archer (laughs) and the actor who plays him Uh. um, is a very popular actor. Uh, He was big in Quantum Leap. He had his own show that he was the star of. Um, And he's gone on to other things after this. You know, obviously he's in NCIS. Yeah, I just saw him in
2: something recently.
1: Yeah, Yeah, he's got his own TV show again. Yeah, NCIS. He's like on one of the like New Orleans version or something. I don't know.
2: I think I saw him in an episode of Law and Order. And I was it like, oh, could I be, you
1: know, he's everywhere. You know, he's very, very popular. Yeah. and that I felt like that kind of cheapened the show. That was one of the things that besides the besides the overall thing of like taking this show, taking this franchise that is, you know, looking towards the future. This went to the future, but regressed.
2: Well, in in a couple of ways too. I mean, I have to say, like, I feel like I feel like there is something a little bit, you know, backward looking about Mm -hmm. using Scott uh, Bakula. Try it. So I mean, you you make the point that he that he is a valid point that he's known for his his role in Quantum Leap and. It's hard not to see him in that role, frankly. Yeah. I mean,
1: you know, they even the show sees it. If you look at one of the later episodes, one of the an, one of the antagonists is his buddy from Quantum Leap. It's the same actor who plays I see I didn't re- all you other nerds out there, I didn't watch Quantum Leap. I just knew Scott Bakula was in it, and I knew that the actor was in another episode of, of uh, this show. So,
2: well, there was there was a, a moment in Broken Bow, and I know we're not talking about Broken Bow, but mm-hmm. there was a moment in Broken Bow where it was really obviously recalling Quantum Leap because he's he's um, Captain Archer is teleported. Um, Oh yeah. One of the first time he's ever teleported, or one of the first times anybody's ever teleported.
1: He's the one that's teleported. He's
2: the one that's teleported and he's mid action. And mm, it's and it and that's
1: very much and quantum leap. Yeah,
2: and his his face and everything about him is like absolutely trying to recall Quantum Leap.
1: Yeah. And it's
2: it's this sort of nostalgia porn.
1: Well, I think what it is is I don't think that the creators of this particular entity had any faith in this show. So what they wanted to do was they, they're like, hey, let's go with an old standby. Let's, let's, let's fill in some blanks with this show that people wanted. Let's, let's bring in some people. I mean, even Malcolm looks vaguely like, uh, Martin Short, you know? I yeah, mean, you've yeah. got all these people in here that, I mean, and what's her name? T'Pol looks ridiculously like Angelina Jolie, who, who is very popular at that time. Mm-hmm. She's very popular now, still, but I mean, even more so in the in the early two thousands when the show aired.
2: Yeah. So, well, I mean, but you, I mean, I think I think you make a really valid point about this idea that they didn't have faith in the show. Mm-hmm. They didn't have faith in in the message of Star Trek. I don't think at all.
1: See, and that's the thing. It's like I don't know if it was that the creators of the show didn't have faith in it, or the studios didn't have faith in it, and made them cast these people. Made them yeah, cast up. Yeah,
2: it's hard to say. I not
1: mean, Bacula. See? See, I, I don't, mm, eh, it it'll is, grow on me. Okay,
2: what did I say? Like, it'll
1: grow on me. Yeah. But, but all that being said, um, I will say that Captain Archer, while I don't like the actor that they got to play him, I love, and I don't necessarily even like his character, but I do like the style of Captain that he is. Agreed. He is a very hands-on captain. Yep. He even with like trip in this episode where he's calling back every five minutes complaining about something. He takes he's like, his call. He's he takes his call, but he's also like, "Suck it up, Buttercup. We yeah, gotta, you got to get through this." There, there's something
2: there's something really refreshing about a captain who's not putting every pushing everything through a communications officer. Exactly. You, there's something really he I what I, I like captain archer and again i it's it's almost in spite of the show and mm-hmm. almost in spite of the creator's best efforts yeah. i like captain archer and i think he's a good captain he makes a lot of mistakes but he also makes a real point mm-hmm. to notice his mistakes to try and get help mm-hmm. you know and there, i mean even janeway who makes mistakes constantly um yeah. horrible mistakes
1: She's Horrible. still a good captain because she's right there backing her people.
2: Well, but her, she is she makes a decision and sticks with it yeah. in spite of
1: She's not wishy-washy. She,
2: yeah, but which is sort of good, but also sort of bad if it's the wrong decision. Very and, true. And this is and this is the problem. It's that whole, you know, stay the course mentality that gets them in so much trouble. Archer does not do that. Archer That's is, true. "Oh, we messed up. We should try again." Oh, mm-hmm. you know, we messed up. Hey to Paul you know, even though I'm not crazy about your species and even though I think you're terrible, actually let me get your help because you know better. Yeah. And and th- that's such a refreshing mentality, especially given that some of the other captains have been so cocksure about everything mm. that they, you know, everything, every decision oh, yeah. that they've ever
1: made. Well, you got to think, think he, in this particular s- series, it's because he is literally the first captain going into these areas. Um, that's what they're trying to... Do is like, hey, you know, this is he has to put the image of the human race out there for these people.
2: It's his naivete, know? or his recognition of his naivete, that makes him that makes him a good captain. He
1: fancy word,
2: yeah. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, you know,
1: okay? Yeah, no, I just I just wanted to <laughs> interrupt you and tell you I, I enjoyed your vocabulary Thank there. You
2: works real hard for it um it's he he recognizes his own failings and he recognizes his own ignorance that is such a rare quality in any person yeah but it's a more rare quality in starfleet captains starfleet captains have a tendency even when they're wrong to continue on the wrong path picard does it kirk does it Mm -hmm. um janeway does it i mean they they all they all do it. Oh, Cisco, yeah. to an extent, does it a little less so, I think. I think Cisco's maybe maybe a little bit more um, school of Archer
1: uh, yeah. than he
2: is school of Kirk. Well, but. I mean,
1: also because with Cisco, he's a commander when they first start off and not a captain. Yeah, right. So he's still got a lot to prove.
2: Well, and I think I think that there's something... I, I don't know. I guess I just... I do like Archer. And I like, actually, mostly, most of the... Surprisingly, I mean, I like Dr. Flox more
1: than I thought I... Would you know the first time I watched the series? Hated Flux. Second time I watched it, yeah. Now I'm actually kind of enjoying his character.
2: I like Dr. Flux. I think it
1: maybe because I'm in my 30s, but yeah, and I feel like Dr. Flux more than I feel like any of the other characters. Yeah,
2: I just, I, I like Dr. Flux because I just, I appreciate his like genuine openness to yeah. human interaction, I appreciate his use of like. Weird techniques. His, his yeah.
1: His, he's very much like a homeopathic doctor.
2: Yeah, I like I like that he's um, he doesn't panic. There's something yeah. panicky about a lot of the bones. Was very oh, panicky. Yeah. Um, you know, Crusher is no oh god. Uh, like she's a panicker. Yeah. Uh, uh, hell, even um, Pulaski is a bit panicky. You know, a bit yeah. a bit over the top. Flox is know? very like. Meh, yeah, it'll be it'll be okay. You'll be you'll be fine. Yeah, just put some dirt on it. You'll be all right. Yeah, you know, and that's
1: nice. that's I I I'm glad you brought up Flocks like that in that light because he is one of my favorite characters on the show because of that. Like in in contrast to all the other Doctors, like you get Bones and the Doctor from Voyager and uh and Gates Mcfadden's character, Doctor Crusher. There are these over the top. You know, they've all got this thing that, like, really pushes them over the top. I mean, and even—what's his name? Um, Damn it. Deep Space Nine doctor? Bashir. Bashir, that's right. Sorry. Ah, Even Bashir, he's got this, like, over-the-top sex drive, whereas Phlox is this kind of grandpa kind of character. Yeah, he's like an old
2: country doctor and not— and not in a bonesy way. I mean, he's like an yeah. old country doctor, and like he's mankind. the he's the
1: old country doctor that you actually want to go see. Yeah, Bones is the one that you dread going to see. Yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, there's there there's something. I mean, every other doctor, and maybe it's because they're all human, with mm-hmm. the exception, of course, of the doctor. Yeah. Um. From from Voyager. Um. You know, I think it's because he's an alien and he's seen it all before. And, yeah. and the, I, this is going to sound really weird, but he actually reminds me of our pediatrician. Um, oh, yeah. Where, you know, I come in, you know, our, our son is nine months old. I bring our son in and he, you know, I, of course I'm in a panic because he's our first child and I have no idea what yeah. I'm doing. He's got boogers uh,
1: shooting out of his eyes. Yeah,
2: right. <laughs> or, yeah, right. Or every time he runs a bit of a temperature, I'm just calling the pediatrician. And she's like, man, it's fine. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. You know, yeah,
1: just give him some Benadryl. Yeah,
2: yeah, he'd be fine. Just let him sleep it off. Yeah. You know, our pediatrician no, no, sounds I, nothing like that for the record. Yeah. Um, she has a lovely voice. I'm just yeah imagining that she's an old Jewish mother because that's
1: know. what it feels like. Sometimes. Yeah, it
2: does. But it's 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 calming and it's reassuring. Yeah. And, I, and I think there's something really nice about that in Dr. Flock. So I actually, I, I think he, his his the execution is a little weird. It, like he, yeah, it, like he very
0: much
1: so
2: portrays the doctor or Doctor Fox a little strangely, but I I like I appreciate the character a lot.
1: Yeah, um, the one thing I will say to kind of like knock this character is okay. So where are the Denovians in any other series?
2: Right. This is. I'm one sorry. Of
1: things, this is yes. one of the things that bugs me about this show is that it doesn't really. Stick with canon. It tries to introduce all this new stuff. And, of course, they come up with this really great plot device to do that. But at the same time, whenever you're introducing new species, it's like, no, we need to have seen these people before if you're going to have a prequel. Yeah,
2: I agree. Well, there's, well, and then there are, of course, episodes like Acquisition. Where
1: oh yeah, where we totally we so break from canon, far,
2: so far, and you Even, get
1: you get the Ferengis in who haven't been seen until next gen.
2: Well, let's let, okay, so let's talk about breaking canon. Let's let's talk about breaking canon. Mm-hmm. So, I my thought on quote breaking canon as a war Star Wars fan. Right. Now, so this is, so here, so first of all, Enterprise is a little taste of what it was like to watch episodes one, two, and three. Um,
1: Yeah, except for we had four years of it.
2: Yeah. No, (laughs) I, so, but the hard part is you want to love it. You want to love it. You want to know the backstory. Exactly. But you want the backstory to make sense. And when it doesn't, when it makes zero sense. Yeah,
1: when you get a Jar Jar. Like, where
2: the, where, Zerulians? I mean, they have this technology on the ship that you never see again.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, how does that happen? Like, what, the only thing I, and here's the other thing about this episode. You get down to the end of it where the Klingons are like, hey, we'll take some of your technology for not getting, for not killing you. And they take the holodeck. I'm sorry, they have a cloaking device and the Klingons at this point don't. Right. How do you not make that part of oh, your that's story? A good part.
2: That's a good question. To
1: be like to explain how the Klingons got their cloaking technology. Right. Like you had that, but you didn't use it. It was right there in the palm of your hand and goodbye.
2: Yeah. Well like, okay, so let's so let's so, delve into this episode a little bit. Yeah. Let's let's take a minute and we'll delve into the episode. Okay. I'm taking the position of defending this episode um, the big thing that we're gonna have to de- discuss and I the thing that I'm gonna struggle to defend but we'll go for it anyway is the concept of consent and, and I'm gonna say I'm gonna pit it against ignorance and, and let's let's yeah let's yeah. frame it that way we'll we'll, fr- we'll frame. Uh, Her name is Alen. We'll frame Alen's ignorance against the consent or lack of consent.
1: From Trip. From Trip. Okay, yeah. Mm. No. I I definitely wanted to talk about this because it did seem, and I'll go ahead and throw it out there, it seemed a little predatory. I mean, there was this whole seduction dance that she did with him. Um, you sh- get it you kind of start with this oh hey come with me and that's kind of where it begins you know well it began we be- began with the whole touching of the lips and the you know the closest thing to water that they could come to but
2: which okay really is You it, don't
1: know what a liquid is? Yeah
2: it's two oxygens and a hydrogen like
1: You can't you can't make that happen?
2: I could probably make that happen.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'm not a mm. chemist
2: and I could make that like yeah. literally you can grow food it's on like, your ship. You know
1: what, like, here's the thing: like, you don't know what water is. Water is a li- you can't you can't create a liquid, but you can create a hologram and you can grow plants on your. Also, all weren't they the on a boat in their hologram? Exactly, floating on what? What were they floating on? What? What is that? The other thing is like, what do the inside of these people look like if they don't know what a liquid is? You know, it's like it's just mush flowing through This is the closest everything.
2: thing we could get to water. Really? Yeah,
1: really? Uh, clearly they didn't think that went through very no, much. No,
2: they did not think that went through very much. Thank you there for were, helping me with my point. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but that was, like, she holds up that bowl and I'm like, what? Is she I mean, it was jello? <laughs>
1: <What> it was <laughs> kind of cool, you know? Yeah, it
2: was cool, but can you not come up with a better reason? Oh, this is how we like to store water. Yeah. Done.
1: Hey, you know, we even have that now where they have those little edible water bottles. Right. You know? That's what like, I'm saying. This is cool. how
2: we like to store water.
1: Yeah. Pretty cool. Anyway. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Tangent. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, yep. but Moving anyway, on. talking about the seduction, she gets, she starts off, it's like, hey, let me come show you my home. That's like a way of like getting your victim, your potential victim to like identify with you. And then what does she do? Um, let's see. Uh, she gets him in awe of this technology she knows he's a big engineer geek so of course this this feat of technology is going to get him kind of like off his guard um, and then what does she do she asks him about dermal plating which it's like she even asks specifically how do you know what people are feeling or thinking without dermal plating why does she ask him that if the very next thing she does is pull out the bowl of pebbles to impregnate him, you know? Like, that seemed like she knew what she was doing leading into what she did to him.
2: Yeah, I... Well, okay, so... Uh, that's so hard.
1: She even calls it a game, which... I know. That's very icky.
2: It was icky. And, okay, so my thought was cultural exchange and ignorance and the like difference between cultures so okay. so okay so there are some cultures and i don't remember what they are and i you know i feel like a totally ignorant person for even talking about this without remembering the particular yeah. name but there are some places where sex and sexuality are not taboo at all and and That's and, true. and relationships are frequent and they're not committal they're not you know, any pregnancies that results are, you know, are, are attached to, like, like, broader concepts of family. Okay. So, so there's not a stigma attached to sexual or marital relationships at all. Okay. Um, and so, so in, a, in that kind of culture, something like this would be perfectly normal and perfectly natural. And maybe for her, this is sort of a handshake. I mean this is it, it's fine conceptually or you know maybe pregnancy is not very invasive I mean they talk about how it's only 5 weeks so people are just you know or the ceruleans are just not that they don't care about it Yeah um and then she makes the point that she didn't know that that, that he would it would result in a pregnancy right and so so and
1: that's acceptable
2: to you Well okay but but my point is is that if for her this Mating ritual. Okay. Like c- because I because it's difficult to call it sex. I mean, trips. Yeah. Lack of awareness of his encounter is very understandable. I mean, one does not think put your hands in bowl. Well, equals sexy. Times. Fair enough.
1: But think of the intimacy. Think of the intimacy in that event because it's she is able to read his mind and he is able to read hers, like. Sure, they play it off as favorite foods and you find me attractive and blah, blah, blah. But that could be – she could really be probing for information. Like let's, let's say that she was looking for like some trade secrets on the Enterprise on how to, how to like get through their whole plating or what have you. Like that would have been pretty dangerous. And she didn't tell him what was about to happen before he stuck his hands in there. Again,
2: I'm I'm going to go with, and this is my sort of defense of this, is that she's ignorant of the implications of mind reading. That that for her, I mean, she mentions that how do you know what people are thinking if you don't have dermal plating, which means that mind reading is normal for her. Mind reading is as normal as smelling. She can't control it. She can't help it. She just knows, right? Yeah. And so from, from my understanding of the encounter between Trip and Allen is that she's just exchanging cultural, rel, culturally relevant information with trip. Part of that culturally relevant information happens to be genetic material. I'll give you an example, and I'm actually gonna, I'm, I'm gonna jump way outside the, um, way outside the, the canon here, way outside Star Trek here. Uh, I'm reading Dune, and I'm, I'm gonna, we'll talk about it in, during recommendation. but, um, this is the first time I've ever read it, and there's this really great moment where in Dune, a woman walks in, and she's having a conversation with a duke, um, and she spits at him. Well, Dune is a desert planet. Now, anywhere else in the world being spat at or spat upon would be horrifying, but in a desert planet where water is scarce, it's actually an act of, like, I, I give you my water. I recognize your, your brilliance or whatever. And so this is, this is a really great cultural exchange where, you know, the Duke is taken aback, and then she sort of, um, you know, and then he has to have it explained to him that this, mm-hmm. is, that this is a thing. And I, I feel like what's happening in Unexpected mm-hmm. is that we're seeing cultural exchange through the eyes of someone who doesn't understand the culture, which is normal mm-hmm. and fine and good. Um, unfortunately for Trip, uh, and I suppose for, for Alen... Um, The result of this cultural exchange is an unintended pregnancy. Okay. Not that unusual, given the circumstances. Um, And again, I will reiterate that I feel like it's absolutely normal that Trip did not know that what was happening was an exchange of genetic material.
1: Yeah, I think on both sides it's clear they make it clear that they didn't think genetic material was being
2: exchanged or rather given cuz she yeah. yeah that she
1: was that she obviously didn't know that she was doing that, he didn't know that he was doing that. My point is is that she knew that she was about to do something intimate with him without letting him know that this is going to be intimate. In any culture, it I'm not talking about the point of sex or sexuality. I'm talking about intimacy. Intimacy is a thing. Like you don't just become intimate with a person unless you gain consent from them. But we in have some different. Con-
2: but we have different concepts. There are other alien races in Star Trek that have completely different concepts of intimacy. Intimacy yeah. for for a beta Z or a beta Zoid is
1: buck naked
2: yeah yeah i mean that, that yeah like their weddings are held and the the bride and groom are buck naked like That's that true. is a level of intimacy that i am not comfortable with as, Fair enough. Um, you know red-blooded american <laughs> um it doesn't I we're am from un- the
1: south we're told that our bodies are disgusting and they should be hidden at all times
2: right of course um, except in the summer when you're wearing a bikini. It makes sense, people. An
1: American flag bikini. It
2: makes sense, people.
1: It's patriotic.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, it's one of those <laughs> things where um, if any of this is making zero sense, it's probably because I'm two whiskeys deep and a bit of a lightweight. Uh, yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So, the level of intimacy for, for a Zerulean is clearly different for the for intimacy for a human and this happens in Star Trek it happens yeah. it happens with Kirsten Dunst race Kirsten Dunsts Kirsten
1: yeah you know that, what i'm talking about you're absolutely so, right when,
2: so so okay so for for her she is just exchanging information
1: mm mm-hmm. mhm
2: and, unfortunately, a little bit of genetic material.
1: Well, I, here's the thing. If that's all it was, why didn't she say, hey, this is what we do? Like, everywhere else, typically what they do is they explain their culture. And then they do it.
2: I, I would say that it's a failure of diplomacy. And I, I, guess, I guess my... Well, I mean,
1: yeah, you've got an engineer there. So, of course, they're going to be kind of creepy anyway. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but
2: yeah but I would argue that it's not a failure of I, I would argue that it's not like predatory as you as you characterized it I would okay. argue that it's a failure of diplomacy and what I will say is that like an equivalent or a sort of human equivalent would be something like if if i went if I went into an Arab country mm-hmm. and as a red blood American offered my right hand to shake without thinking about it because I don't think about it Offer. I mean, I, I shake hands with everyone. Why wouldn't I? In some cultures, um, that is really offensive.
1: Is it your right or your left? I don't remember. I always thought it, I always heard it was the left. I
2: think it's your right, but because I, I, I think you eat with your left hand. And I don't now. I don't remember, but it doesn't matter. The point you is, Google it. the point stands. The point stands. The point is, yeah. or whatever. Or
1: like lifting your feet, you yeah, know, yeah, showing the bottoms of your feet yeah, to certain cultures. Yeah, I get what you're there's saying. There's all
2: kinds of circumstances where I would do something without ever thinking about it, without ever. I mean, th- things that are perfectly yeah. normal and natural to me in my culture, and and it might offend somebody from a different culture. And in her mind, this is a normal, natural part of meeting someone, of getting to know okay. someone. The difference, is, and maybe the males have some sort of like shut, you know, they shut down, or they like have some kind of way of like selecting whether or not, you know, they they accept sure. genetic material. I mean, this happens in species. Um, I think kangaroos have like multiple vaginas and can decide what um, what uh, genetic material to accept or not to accept. I did Ducks not are the know same that, way. Yeah, so there's lots of species where this is already did true.
1: Not know that about kangaroos. Yeah, weird stuff, right? Um, mm-hmm.
2: So, so my point is, I think that that. She's ignorant. She's not predatory. Okay, that's what I'll go with.
1: That and that's fine. I, it's see, I don't want to make, I don't want to push the point too hard on this, but it just seemed like she was gunning for him because of yeah. all the steps that she took. I mean, she, like I said, she. It was a little icky. It was icky. She she <laughs> made sure. To know that there's no way of that he was reading her intentions. She confirmed that beforehand. She called what she was doing a game. Yeah, you know it yeah. was. It was, you know, and even the aftermath of it. Trip even began acting like a victim. Like once it was found out that he was pregnant. He was almost. It was almost like it was like a victim shame kind of situation. He's like, mm-hmm. "Let's keep this between us." To everybody that was in the room, mm-hmm. and then anybody who found out about it, or anytime he thought somebody found out about it, he was paranoid, just like a victim with post traumatic stress disorder. Was.
2: Yeah, no, you're right.
1: It's so. I don't know if that was not if that was the intention of the writers to do it, but it really they really put a lot of it out there.
2: I you know I I I'm gonna. I'm going to have to agree with you. I, I I think the treatment of Trip once they found out he was pregnant was appalling on so many levels and that fact yeah. that and the fact that he said I didn't do anything undeniable. And they kept they kept at him like that. And they that. kept needling him and it was exactly. like you know admit what you you know It
1: was victim blaming.
2: Yeah, yeah, you wore the short skirt. Yeah, no I totally agree yeah, with that. Yeah, you
1: obviously had to have done something to get yourself into this situation, yeah. little mister.
2: Yeah, exactly. And there was something really unpleasant about the way that they treated him
1: exactly i um. i never get he's the. you never admit that i'm right
2: that's not even true <laughs> I, admit, I admit i'm yeah kidding. i i know i am absolutely admitting i mean that was a hard thing to watch
1: is a really good uh, point, or a really good place to kind of switch over and talk about how um, they kind of stole the women's role and gave it to Trip in this ec- in this episode. And that's going to sound pretty sexist coming from me, but I mean, let's think about this. I mean, human women are the ones who birth children. In this episode, they gave that to Trip. They gave that honor of nursing, and they even they even took and made, like, a caricature of a woman who is, you know, thinking about having a child. He's wa- he's running around this ship going, oh, what if somebody put their fingers in here, you know, uh, talking about all these, like, safety hazards on this ship that really make no sense because, obviously, there will never be a child on that ship because that's not the point of Starfleet at this, at this juncture.
2: Well, so what I will say is that... I see your point. I mean, I, I think it's hard to defend because they take pregnancy and turn it into like a, a laughing matter. Like, exactly. we're also, you know, and this is, I mean, this is such traditional sitcom BS where it's like, you know, someone gets pregnant. And it's funny because they're they have cravings. It's funny because they have mood swings. Yeah. It's funny because their nipples are weird. Like it's funny. You know, it's I mean, because
1: they get all emotional.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's funny. You said
1: mood swings. Never mind.
2: Yeah. Well, but I mean, okay. I mean, it's just. I mean, it's just. You know, women are treated as a laughing stock. What I liked about this, and I, I struggle to say this because there's not much to say positive about making fun of women who give who choose to give birth or who choose to become pregnant Mm -hmm. or in this case didn't choose to become pregnant um at all um which okay like we can talk about this if you want to but it absolutely bugs me that they did not even mention what about aborting the fetus i mean yeah this is a non-consensual act it's a potential hazard to his I mean, life. They, they
1: have that conversation with Deanna whenever she gets a when she gets a kid, but because it's a guy, somehow we're just like
2: that's exactly what I was. It was thinking. really
1: weird. It that's, was I don't know what they were trying to say in that, other than maybe. They were trying to avoid the issue of abortion altogether.
2: That's that's exactly what I was thinking. Was that like this has come up before, and it came up in context of Deanna becoming pregnant in uh-huh. an episode that we will definitely discuss.
1: Oh god! Uh, yes.
2: Oh god! For so Season many reasons. Season two, episode
1: one. We'll be yeah, we we discussing we that will episode. Talk
2: about it. For so many reasons. We, we will talk discussed.
1: about a lot of Deanna Troy episodes.
2: But that one specifically. Um, <laughs> but, but they make a point of discussing terminating the pregnancy. Yeah. In that episode, frank discussion. She says no. They say, okay, moving on. It was a perfectly acceptable way to exactly. address that issue, especially considering that Deanna became pregnant without her consent. Right. Yes. What, we should not continue this. It is dangerous for everybody on the ship. It's dangerous for Deanna. And she did so without her consent. Let's talk about abortion. And, ever, and Deanna says, Nah, nope. Nah, I want to keep baby. And everybody says, Cool. Okay, we're moving forward. And that's yeah. it. That's the end of the discussion. Yeah. And that's a perfect way to handle that situation.
1: Exactly. In this one, they didn't even talk about they it. They didn't it even like, mention it. They're just going to go find them and be like, Hey, what's up with this? Let me give you your baby back. This could be
2: a chest burster for all they Exa- know.
1: That was the exact thing I was thinking. You know, this... Okay, first off, he obviously doesn't have any reproductive organs that they He doesn't have a uterus. Use. Well, he doesn't have whatever their equivalent of a uterus is. Right. Yeah. So, what, like, how does this work in their planet? Like, if if he's able to host one of their offspring, clearly he's not that much different from them. So. Do these things just burst out of your skin whenever they're ready to pop out? Like, does that how the offspring comes out?
2: Right, and it might be the case, and it might be perfectly safe. We don't know. But really, are you going to even talk about? It. Are they going to take the risk? I mean, yeah, w- you know, I we mean, all
1: saw Alien.
2: Yeah, that, that, that's that ex- that's, stuff is crazy. That's exactly what I was. I was like, okay, so apparently they're totally fine with this chest burster just coming out of him at yeah. any at any given moment.
1: And like, what are these people even like? You know, pre-pubescent. You know, like what what's their What's their gestation like after they're born, you know? Do they need a kangaroo-type pouch? Do they, you know, latch on somewhere and nurse? Like, clearly they do. They've got, like, nipple wrists, but...
2: Right. Okay, so this is really strange. Yeah. So, apparently, this thing requires human nipples? Yeah. What?
1: Like, also, like, how does him hosting this thing cause him to grow nipples on his wrist?
2: I mean, hormones are weird, but...
1: Hormones are weird, but, I mean, I was with you during your pregnancy, and you weren't growing extra nipples anywhere.
2: I don't think I did. <laughs> I didn't do hair, it. Hair, yes.
1: Nipples, no. But
2: yeah, You know what? Um, my hair did become luxurious. Uh, yeah,
1: especially on your lip.
2: Oh, hey. I'm hey, kidding. I'm hey, kidding. You're hey.
1: beautiful, and I love you.
2: Like, that freedom mustache is popular these days. I saw a yeah. girl with a freedom mustache just this afternoon. It looked lovely. Mm, um, good for her. So I, my point is that I feel, like, I feel like there is a huge missing space yeah. in Enterprise where they should have said, hey, what about aborting this thing? And Trip or anybody else in the room could have said, yeah, but no. And they could have said, okay, cool. Or, yeah, yeah. this may be a good idea, but, like, we're not really sure what would happen, so let's just see what the Zerulian say. Like, well, literally think... any of those conversations would have been fine, but they didn't have any one of them, which is crazy to me.
1: Here's the thing, though. I think sidestepping that argument from a guy's perspective, because here, a guy with an un- unplanned pregnancy is like, oh, I want nothing to do with this. So if he's the one that's having to carry it, of course, like he's gonna be like, "No, oh, fuck it, get that thing out of me. I don't want it in me. Bleep it." Oh, sorry. Mm-hmm. Like I said, two whiskey's deep.
2: Yeah. So, but okay. So right, which is, but it's in this case, literally fine that yeah. Trip doesn't want to carry. A, he shouldn't have to. Exactly. He did not consent. He shouldn't have to. Period. Just end of sentence, he shouldn't have to. If he consents to it and says, you know what, I will take care of this thing until we can find a better situation, I'm I'm comfortable with that, then hey, more power to him. Awesome sauce, Junior it is. But instead, we don't even get the discussion and that drove me up a bloody wall, drove me up a wall.
1: yeah, and I guess what I was trying, let me see if I can articulate what I was trying to say a little bit better. It's, I think it's because we can have those conversations whenever it is a woman because women are more emotional. And with the exception of, with the one exception of mod in the, you know, when was that, 70s, uh, early, or 70s, 80s, you know, with that, with that exception, um, most of the time on television, whenever a woman is faced with this situation, they have the child. Like, right. you know, yeah. like, that's the thing. Like, here's the thing. If you give that conversation to a group of guys, like, what I was trying to say is guys aren't as emotional. You can't portray men as emotional because, one, it feminizes them, and that makes them look weak. And but, we don't want our men, he- male heroes to look weak.
2: Well, okay, but he's having a baby, so That's let's very go true. with already feminized.
1: Yeah, I know you're absolutely so, right.
2: Okay, so I so because I'm, in, I'm supposed to be defending this, I'm doing yeah. a terrible job right now. But I'm um, actually
1: making point for you. I think. Yeah, okay. you're making my point for me.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. Um, so okay, okay. So I wanted, I did want to make the point that one of the things that I really did like, in spite of the fact that they played this whole thing for laughs, is that Trip has a very frank conversation with Tippal and Archer about how he has worked his whole life to become an engineer and had no intention of becoming a parent. And
1: well, no, he says a working mother.
2: Well, yeah, right. But okay. So let's take a minute and step back and appreciate the fact that this guy is bringing attention to the lack of maternity leave generally. And saying, or, or or more more accurately saying, how unfair it is that his career might take a hit as a result of him having to physically rear a child. Yeah. Right. So this is, I think, a statement that they made a, a, a valiant effort at making. They didn't actually follow through with I it.
1: I want to say that it wasn't really a valiant effort. <laughs> it seemed like a throwaway line. Yeah I agree with you (laughs) Yeah I mean And he said it flippantly And he called himself A working mother I mean He was obviously Being tongue in cheek there
2: but he makes a good point. No, and, and, absolutely and I, think, right. and I think it's important to m- make mention of the fact that he actually does make the point that yeah. if I were to have this child, it's going to impact my career negatively, yeah. which is true of having children. Exactly. I mean, this is the sacrifice, and it's, it's, it's more true for women than it is for men. Absolutely. It's not that it's not true for men. It's that it's more true for women than it is for men that if you have a baby, your career is going to be put on hold mm-hmm. for however long it takes to physically take care of that child. Trip is having is faced with this, and he mm. is visibly distraught, and mm. he is, and he is. I mean, yes, he delivers the line flippantly. I would argue that's a character thing, but I will say that his demeanor and his physical sort of the way that he handles himself changes mm-hmm. throughout the episode, and he becomes more emotional. He becomes. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. Again, they even
1: he's even wearing you know loose fitting clothes. clothes.
2: Yeah. And it's one of those things where it's, um, I think that it is a genuine sort of, it's saying something about Tripp that he is wearing his fears on his sleeve the way yeah. that he does. And, I, and yeah, okay, chalk it up to pregnancy hormone, but at the same time, I think that there is something really good about the fact that they made a point to say, hey, this is hard on people, and it's hard on women, and, it, and it's going to be hard on Tripp. Uh, Yeah. But, you know.
1: The thing that I find, like, most depressing about that whole, like, bit we were just talking about there is that in the future we're still not able to give people proper maternity and paternity leave to take care of children. And it's still a societal foible in this show that... When you get pregnant, you know one of the things that you have to be concerned with is how your career is going to develop.
2: Yeah, I think that's That's pretty pretty dangerous. I mean, but the the reason that Star Trek works is that it deals with issues that everybody is dealing with right now. Yeah, they just put it in a different context and and make it a pill that we can all swallow. We could talk about. This episode a lot more. I feel like, um, mm-hmm. and there's a lot that we're leaving unsaid, and kind of intentionally. Um, I think it's maybe appropriate in that the episode sort of ends uh, on a low note, on on a no note. Yeah. I would argue.
1: It ends um, with a oh hey, remember there's Klingons.
2: It ends with a it ends with a it ends with nothing. I mean, he's like oh yeah. hey, can you take this thing out? And they're like yeah cool, okay bye. Um, Yeah. And that's it. So, I mean, as far as as ending our sort of discussion about this episode is concerned, I feel perfectly comfortable saying, okay.
1: Yeah. No, I'm kind of done with the episode, honestly. There was nothing more that I felt like. I mean, there was a lot flawed about it, you know, and I feel like I made my points pretty well, and you kind of made my points pretty well for me.
2: (laughs) Trying to defend this episode. Okay, so what I did want to talk about, and I... I know that this is something. This is not to ingratiate myself to Star, Star Trek fans. This is simply to say that when discussing Enterprise, it is absolutely impossible to get through an episode without talking about the song,
1: mm-hmm. the
2: opening credits.
1: Okay. Yeah, that is an awful, awful, awful theme song.
2: Let's, okay, so let's just step back for a minute. Was that Creed?
1: No, it's it?
2: it's um. So it's Diane Warren wrote the song, and then it's a guy named Russell something who performs the song. I'm not sure what his last mm. name is. Anyway, okay. So let's step back for a minute and notice that it is a song of its time. Okay, so we can sort yeah. of like you know this is just one of those things that was popular back then. I mean, even the original series, the the theme music, you know, it has a it has a um. Oh, I, I just lost the name of the... Theremin. Name. Thank you, a theremin.
1: There's Which a, is baller.
2: Yeah. Okay, but it's also very like sixties, right? I mean, this is like it's it's pr- yeah, it's yeah. very. Well,
1: the theremin I think was developed was was first invented in like the nineteen tens.
2: I'm not sure. It, yeah. It, it, but it was very popular in the sixties. Yeah, in science fiction, and so this this, I mean the. That
1: ethereal sound.
2: Yeah. The theme song in the original series is a song of the time. Um, yeah. It's, a, it's, it's, it's become kind of, timeless. Yeah. It didn't start that way.
1: Okay. It's kind of that way with all the series, I feel.
2: Yeah, okay. So, <sighs> Enterprise has the song of its time. Now, it also has lyrics. This makes it unique.
1: Which is a very big disconnect from the rest of the show. Huge franchise. disconnect.
2: What bugs me about it is less the fact that it has lyrics, less the fact that it's the song of the time, and more the content of the lyrics. This line okay. reads, I have faith. This is...
1: Farth of the
0: Haw.
2: Yeah, the ha, ha. Ho,
0: ho, 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 ho. Ho.
2: I have strength. Oh, okay.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. very much
1: Creed. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead.
2: Um, okay, I have faith is antithetical to Star Trek. Faith did not get them to the stars. It
1: That's was hard true.
2: work and effort Very and true. science. And actually, they live in a time without faith. They, they are notably atheist. Or yeah. rather, I would say notably secular, to be fair. Yeah. So I Have Faith is the exact opposite of this Star Trek message. Yeah. It's that strength of soul... That gets well, a person to yeah, warp one.
1: Yeah. Uh, again, just to play the devil's advocate on this one, um, is it is are they talking about faith in the sense of like a a religious faith or is it more of a, a faith in mankind or a faith talk in ourselves? not faith se- in mankind. No, it's faith, faith of,
2: of the heart. Is faith mankind.
1: of the heart, meaning that could mean several things just – you know
2: it's meaningless it's pablum it's no
1: it's really yeah you're right it, it is just whatever but from a Star Trek point of view it is the vanilla
2: scented candle of song
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes it is but again because I feel like I feel like we have to contest each other's arguments at least at least a little bit so here's my little bit of pushback for this I'm not defending the song in any way but
2: it is indefensible
1: faith of the heart I mean you think of heart what I mean in Captain Planets, it was it was the one of the, it was nobody wanted to pretend to be the kid that had the heart ring. I did. But uh, you, you would, <laughs> you would. Kid a monkey. Yeah. Okay. I wanted a monkey. <laughs> but no, you heart is in like that kid's got heart, like he's really got drive. So you know they got faith in our drive. You know, like I've got faith in the drive that I have inside myself to move forward. And I realized as I said that it didn't really make a lot of sense but i don't necessarily think that
2: this song, from a
1: star trek point of song, view it doesn't necessarily have any religious connotation i
2: would it, it talks about faith and souls and it talks about i have it, you know the reason that we were able to get forward is because i have faith but that's not true that's not what got people that's not how it happened well, they 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 Cochran didn't have faith he had whiskey we saw
1: Zephram Cochran wasn't a real person. Shh. You're out there he's somewhere, Zephram. Not, not, not yet. Not um, yet. He's not out there yet.
2: I mean, the point is is that, like, the point is, is that the reason that that we got to the moon, mm-hmm. the reason that, you know, the, the first person built their first rowboat and sailed across the sea, or rowed across the sea, whatever, I'm not into sailing, um, like, that, that it's because they worked really hard, and the point of Star Trek, it's not about faith, it's not about believing that you can, it's about getting up and doing it, and I hate the lyrics to that song, I hate the song, too, but I really hate the lyrics, and the reason I really hate the lyrics is because it is so antithetical to the message of Star Trek more generally it is not faith, it is not souls it is not, you know, it's not spirituality that's gonna get us to Alpha Centauri, or to Mars even. It is hard work and dedication and science and a lot of really, really smart people making the decision to get us there. And I I am I that to me was one of the reasons that when I first sat down to watch Enterprise, I had to gut through that song. Not necessarily because it was terrible, although absolutely because it's terrible. But also because it just, to me, was such a step back from the Star Trek message. So, no.
1: I can't wait for you to hear the remix in season three. I don't want to. It's going to be great. I don't want
2: to. I don't want to. I feel like
1: I'm, I'm... See, here's the thing. I feel like I just ruined it for you because, like, I got to experience it for itself you know like in real time it was one of those things like season three premiered and then boom you get hit in the face with that new thing oh it's so so gloriously bad It's time for
2: technology.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So uh, first up, what do you got for technology? I think yours is probably going to be much more interesting than mine.
2: I don't know about that. Well, I mean, I think it is really interesting. Um, so my bit of technology—it's uh, a bit odd um, and sort of tangentially related to Trek. Okay. Tre- um, it is about. Um, Well, it's about genetic engineering or genetic modification, I guess. Um, Okay. And it's about genetically engineering embryos. So um, I'll I'll sort of read the the byline. Uh, Scientists have, for the first time, successfully freed embryos of a piece of faulty DNA uh, that caused diseases to run in families. Um,
1: That's pretty cool.
2: Yeah, I think it's really cool. Um, I think it's one of those things that, like, I mean, if you recall... In Deep Space Nine, Bashir, as it turns out, is genetically engineered. Or, yeah, and, they, and, and kind of in a bad way, sort of in a eugenicist type way. Yeah, this is not that. This is not. Hey, we're on board with eugenics. Well, genetic
1: augment kind of way. Is no, what this his is was. this
2: is about yeah exactly. This is about getting rid of some really truly horrible genetic diseases. Oh yeah, diseases. like
1: Tay Sachs disease. Um, yeah, like no. some really awful things.
2: Right, and I, I think um, I think it would be. Amazing. If we could get rid of some of these things that have run in families for a long time, it would give people who have who have you know decided not to have children um, the ability to have children. I mean,
1: just think if like you if you had uh, what is that Huntington's disease running in your family, and you could just like you wouldn't want to pass that on to anybody, right?
2: Or if you didn't know and you became accidentally pregnant or something like this, you know, and then as it turns out, you know, so I think something like this would be such an incredible benefit. Um, to humanity to humanity yeah absolutely I mean yeah. and and you know yay science I mean this is one of those things that like I, I just you know I'm, I'm so continually thankful for to live in 2017 mm-hmm. where we have flush toilets and <laughs> um, and the you know and we're gaining the ability to prevent horrifying diseases um, in families and in, and in people yeah. so I'm I'm you know I, I think this is one of those really awesome sort of, yeah. scientific advancements. It's it's not technology in the sort of typical sense, but let's say... It's, yeah, it's, it's more
1: Gattaca kind of thing. It's, yeah. it's
2: definitely one of those things where it's like, can you imagine a world without some of these really terrible genetic diseases?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. They made a movie about it. Gattaca. <laughs> in fact, I can
2: imagine. I have seen that movie. seen that movie. Uh,
1: Jude Law's in a wheelchair.
2: Yeah. Um.
1: <laughs> and for some unknown reason, Christian Slater's still the star of the movie. <laughs>
2: Um, okay, so what have you got? Trichnology.
1: Tre- uh, yes. Technology for me, obviously, if you are a science nerd, um, you know that on the 21st of this month, August, we are going to have the solar eclipse. Um, now, on NASA's website, it's going to tell you they've got a applet that shows kind of way what time you can see it that kind of thing and gives you a little bit of a countdown it's pretty cool so just head over to nasa.gov and take a look at it it's there's links on their homepage for it it's pretty cool so that's kind of my deal I love solar eclipses I remember the last one whenever that I saw was whenever I was when I want to say six years old seven years old I was in elementary school let's
2: find
1: out yeah, it was in northeast Oklahoma, so it may have been different because it's not... The whole world doesn't see a solar eclipse at the same time.
2: Yeah, are we going to be able to see it from where
1: we are? Yeah, the majority of the North American continent is going to catch the solar eclipse. Um, that one said
2: 1918, and I'm pretty sure you're not 100 years old.
1: No, years this... Old. Oh, hang on. Yeah, again, like, depending on the orbit of the moon between here and the sun, it, it depends on what part of the world will see it.
2: Oh, I guess, okay, so this one's going to be a partial eclipse?
1: Yeah, I think it's supposed to be a full eclipse, is it not? I don't know. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> anyway, uh, so, I, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But that was it, that was all I had to say about it, That's all I got to say about that.
2: All right. Ignoring that. <laughs> uh, moving on. Okay. So uh, let's move on to uh, recommendations. Tre- recommendations. All
1: right. Recommendations.
2: Recommendations.
1: Okay. What do you got?
2: Um, okay. So I am forty years behind. No, I don't know how long. Actually, I'm behind. It's it's old. Uh, but I have been recommended, actually recommended, this novel for um, probably a decade. Um, mm-hmm. Basically, somebody would find out that I was into science fiction, and they would say, "Have you read Dune?" And I would say, "No." Because I was in either college or grad school and I was reading everything but the books I wanted to read. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, no, uh, go to grad school, kids, then you get to read all the things that you don't want to read. Um, But.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's um, not true. You get to read one thing that you wanted to read, but then you had to read about five million secondary sources on that one thing you wanted to read.
2: Yes, yeah, I did, yeah, so (laughs) you get punished for reading that thing that you want to read. (laughs) So no, that's not true. I, yeah. I I loved grad school. Um, and miss it. Don't judge me. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah. So okay. So the book in question is Dune. I, I love I love it. I am in the middle of it right now. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, I am I am passing on this recommendation. It's a monster of a book. It's like 800 pages, or if you include all. And that's the- just
1: book one, right?
2: Yeah, there's four books, and um, it's 800 pages. And that's, I think with the appendices, it's like 900 pages.
1: I think I'm going to have to download the audiobook.
2: It's really, 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 <laughs> really, really, really good. I am I am, I am, absolutely amazed by the world building in this. I mean, this is world building on a level that mm-hmm. would make Tolkien balk um, mm-hmm. and probably weep. Um, it's so good, and it's so... Complete and and it does so in a way that I feel like is atypical of science fiction. Science fiction has a tendency to be over-explanatory, and I'm, I'm saying yeah. this as a huge fan, massive fan of science fiction. It has a tendency to be over-explanatory. This is not true in the case of um, of Dune. It does it does a lot of world building with the least amount of information, mm-hmm. and I'm impressed. By the, by the novel. Um, so, I, you know, I, I'm sure 90% of you have read Dune already, and I am way behind on this, but I'm recommending it anyway because I just love it, and I just yeah, want, yeah. I want to tell everybody how, how much I love it. Um, I'm probably going to get a Dune tattoo. That's not even a joke. <laughs> um, so I found a quote in there that I'm like, I'm going to put that on my wrist. It's a good one. Nice. Um, so, uh, yeah, so what did it, what is your recommendation? Well, yeah.
1: Um... I've been hitting this one pretty hard this year because uh, it's starting to wind down, but it's another kind of series, if you will, but Game of Thrones is on.
2: Oh, Um, yeah. How could we not recommend Game of Thrones?
1: You gotta watch it, guys. Get caught up. Get yourself your HBO Go or borrow it from your your parents or whatever Mm -hmm. you need to do to get there, but this season, so far... So good It is, This especially uh, the episode I think just aired tonight, episode four. We just got done watching it right before we started recording. Oh my god, it was so good.
2: Yeah, um, no spoilers. No spoilers.
1: Just get caught up and watch it. Like that's. I I'm I have
2: saying. to say the pacing for this season is so good. Oh
1: my god, it. it there, you know, in past seasons, it's been like three episodes of people traveling down the King's Road and before they get to wherever the heck they're going now it's like oh we're zipping along yeah. okay and yeah. i think they realize it because they don't really have a long time left
2: yeah no i i, I think yeah. i think the pacing for the season has been really good and i'm i know i know some people who are fans of the books are more or you know they're bigger fans of the books than they are of the tv series are yeah. frustrated by the the sort of
1: lack of continuity between the two.
2: Yeah, but I have to say I really appreciate yeah. the pacing of the season, and uh, yeah. I'm happy to see things moving in a direction that I want them to move in. So oh no, I we'll mean, just see I'm how it goes. There
1: with you. I like I, a friend of ours said it best. Like if you're a book fan and not a fan of the movie or the TV show, um, the way that uh, Kemper. Mm-hmm. Uh, said it. It's it's like two different people trying to tell you the same story. Both, both are pretty valid. You get good information from either, and they're both very good storytellers, but they're going to tell you the story completely differently. Mm-hmm. And that's what I like about this. And the fact is... Here's the deal. If George R.R. R. Martin wanted to have his say, he should have finished his books by now. I'm sorry. He's had like 30 years to to write them.
2: Well, I mean, and, and, and more power to him. I mean, take as much time yeah. as you need. You're the writer. You're the creator. Um, I'm But s- from the perspective of the people who are writing HBO, like, they, well, they need to turn ins- out a season every yeah, year. Yeah, this you is know? a different medium and that they have to work with the medium.
1: Yeah.
2: Cool. Okay, so so, so we're on to... uh
1: news.
2: Trek news. Okay, so what what is your Trek news?
1: My Trek news is finally. I, I, any of you people out there who are fans of the Star Trek Online game? Uh, it's a massive online MMO. You know, it's it's a it's really fun. But anyway, uh, LeVar Burton is actually joining the voice crew. Um, as of, I think they said it was September twelfth. He's going to be part of a few of the uh, a few of the episodes or the few of the training or missions that you can go on. Uh, basically, the, the tagline from it is from the release was: "Players will join LaForge as his and his crew as they investigate a distress call from the Galaxy class ship whose crew is being mind controlled by a mysterious energy source." Obviously, in this, LaForge is going to be a captain, so it is Captain LaForge. Um, And that's another thing. Um, Apparently, we're getting galaxy-class ships now, um, uh, I think is one of the things. And they're also adding the scant-class ship as well. So that's going to be kind of fun if you're into that game at all.
2: Well, I I, – yeah, I mean, obviously, that's really exciting. I I think it's – I get the sense that of all of the cast members, LeVar Burton – is the biggest nerd. Oh yeah. And I, I get the sense that like for him, like obviously he, um, you know, I mm-hmm. not not to say that I mean I, I feel like I'm sure Jonathan Frakes and and, and uh, yeah. Sir Patrick Stewart are all very nerdy. Um, you know I'm sure you know William Sh- I, I, think, know. William I Shatner's, think I think I think is pretty nerdy. I'm sure George Decay is a nerd. I'm
1: pretty sure that Patrick Stewart is like. Cool hand Luke, you know. Yeah,
2: right. But I think I get the sense that Lavar Burton is like the kind of person that just like wanted to be there. And um, yeah. Anyway, I'm so I'm excited to see that he's continuing his his uh, his Trek associations.
1: I I actually have a correction to make. This it's not a scant class ship. It's the scant uniform. And for those of you who know what the scant uniform is, that's being added. It's the um, male skirt uniform. <gasps> really? Yes. Yes. That, that uniform I right there. I love
2: the skirt uniforms. uniform. Sweet.
1: So, yeah, they, Sweet. they had it for like three episodes at the beginning of uh, TNG and then kind of went away. It
2: actually was, there was actually several episodes in the first season. It's like the first yeah. ten episodes where they had it. Okay. Have, yeah. Um, okay, so um, my Trek news, um, nothing huge, uh, but in the Star Trek Discovery world, uh, the covers for the comic book and the novel have been revealed. Oh yeah. Um, and along with it, we get the title of the novel. Uh, the title of the novel, written by uh, a guy named David Mack, um, who's apparently a New York Times author, uh, best-selling author. Uh, the title of the novel is Desperate Hours. Um, so Ooh. we get our first kind of peek at like what um, what what the what the um, you know. What the story is going to be. Okay. Um, so uh, we've got it's going to be on the shelves uh, September 26th, um, and it's going to explore the story behind Lieutenant Michael Burnham, a human woman raised among Vulcans who becomes. Ah, so okay, we get this back. She's is human, not Vulcan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they've
1: they've they've had that in a few press releases.
2: Okay. Uh, raised among Vulcans, who becomes a first acting first officer on the USS Shenzhou.
1: Acting first officer? That's
2: what it says. Ah. But Burnham must prove herself to Captain Philippa Georgiao, Georgiou Georgiao, uh, with the Shenzhou uh, Protective Federation colony under attack by an ancient alien vessel. Burnham must infiltrate the alien vessel in order to save thousands of lives. Um, mm. So, yeah. Uh, and then the comic book um, is the title is Star Trek Discovery, issue one. Uh, is going to be released in October of, of this year. Um, okay. And uh, on the cover, we get um, very little, uh, but it is one of the new Klingons, one of the new Klingon makeups.
0: Yeah. Um, sort
2: of behind a backlit type situation. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we'll see. We'll see what that's going to be about. Yeah. Um, yeah. Don't really have a whole lot of information on the comic book. Uh, we get a little information on the novel, um, but I think mm-hmm. um, I I continue to be cautiously optimistic yeah. I, about Star Trek Discovery. Gotcha.
1: Me too. There there was one new thing. Are we still recording?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Sorry. Um, there was one new thing that I I don't know if I actually told you about this, but uh, I saw a headline on my Google News feed. Uh, two three days ago now so of course it's all gone but um it is they are going to explain in discovery how the klingons got their forehead ridge so from from you know tos to tng how they got those those ridges um
2: I read that too, and so I... we'll see if, how yeah, they do that. we'll just see. I, yeah. I'm just going to go with we'll see.
1: Personally, I want to know how they get from the blue uniforms to the uniforms that we get in TOS. Right?
2: <laughs> what was that design choice I like? I know. I mean,
1: I could see how they got to those I, uniforms I, from Enterprise. I, yeah. But when do we go to yeah. full solid red shirts and full solid gold shirts, you know? It's a
2: valid question. Yeah, I want to um, know. I want to know. a I want to meet
1: life. the Star Trek uh, uniform designer, not not the guys that do it behind the scenes. I'm talking about like on, like in universe. I want to talk to those yeah, guys. The Edna Mode of of, uh,
2: of Star Trek. Of Star yeah. Trek. Yeah.
1: You know, because I mean, you know, I feel like it's probably the same guy that designs the army uniforms.
0: <laughs> hey, hey,
1: hey! You guys could take a take a bit of a lesson from the Navy.
2: They do have lovely uniforms. <laughs> I will admit this. As a, as a proud uh, service member uh, of the Army National Guard, the Navy has really nice uniforms. <laughs> Beautiful, fabulous uniforms. Um, sorry for picking on you. Sorry. Yeah, no, it's okay. Th- I like the new Army uniforms. This is totally up to Yeah, off
1: topic. you guys have that scorpion pattern. It's kind of cool. Really, I but like them. I'm talking about your, your dress blues.
2: Oh, don't. Sh- <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. Anya, who <laughs> I, I do not want to talk about it. <laughs> um, you know what? <laughs> no. All right. Uh, so just a quick reminder: uh, we have a Twitter that is at trekkinawesome. T R E K K I N awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do tweet occasionally. Uh, yep. We are. We try to remember to tweet when our uh, podcast is coming out or when we've recorded or stuff yeah. like that. Um, mostly we forget, but we do try. Yeah. Uh, if you tweet back at us, we might reply to that yeah. tweet probably.
1: You can email us at trekkingawesome1701 at gmail.com. Uh,
2: we also have a Facebook page that's uh, trekkingawesome.facebook.com uh, mm-hmm. and a WordPress uh, that we relatively infrequently update, but we do try to update.
1: We should try to do that more often.
2: Yeah. Um, <laughs> that said, you can always find us on iTunes, Google Play, uh and that's it, apparently?
1: Well, Stitcher, maybe. I don't yeah. know. I can't get logged into there, and nobody from that organization will ever contact me back. Ugh, it's annoying.
2: Okay, well, so we'll just we'll just put Stitcher on the back burner. But definitely Google Play and iTunes. Uh, uh, so if you're interested in, in listening to us, that is where you'll find us. Yep. Uh, uh, give us a shout. Let us know what you think. Um, Trek and A. Dragon A. Dad is so fine,
0: he's happy all the time. He walks the dog in the rain and the shine. He doesn't complain, and he doesn't want to die.